1: Hello. Hello.
0: Happy Pancake Day.
1: Yes, happy Pancake Day through Tuesday, yeah?
0: Yes means uh, it'll be Ash Wednesday tomorrow.
1: Oh, I love Ash Wednesday. That's my favourite.
0: Then it'll be Maundy Thursday. Oh, even better. (laughs) I don't know if Maundy Thursday... I don't know if they're all in a row like that, are they?
1: Oh, I thought they were. Are they not?
0: Pancake Day is called Fat Tuesday in Sweden.
1: Oh. Yeah. Okay, so you stuff your face...
0: With Semla buns. Semla buns. They're like little uh, buns full of cream. They're very good. Mm. Um, Of course, by the time you hear this, it won't be Pancake Day anymore, but... um, I'm still reeling from mine.
1: (laughs) Reeling? Wow, That's a big word to use. It was a disaster. Yeah, me too, to be honest.
0: So I decided to recreate that magical pancake day experience of my youth, Mm. but then put a fresh 21st century spin on it. Right. So I looked up a very simple pancake recipe. Yeah. And then I got loads of fun toppings. Okay. Some of which were healthy, like, Blueberries and raspberries, mm. some of which were decidedly unhealthy, like lotus spread, right, or um, milk and white chocolate spread, Ooh. as well as your classic lemon mm. sugar and so yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. So I got all that laid out mm-hmm. to ramp up the excitement. Explain what we were going to do, and then he'd be able to choose his toppings, and we'd see how it went, and he'd get it. Um, and then I got him, I put him in an apron, got him on a little stool. Up to the work surface. I don't know why I did that because he's enormous.
1: <laughs> I don't think that he's way taller than you on that stool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, and then we We did it together we we whisked the flour and the eggs and the milk and um uh, the, the salt. salt and trying to think what else was in there not much else I don't think mm. a bit of oil in the pan sounds about right so he's very by, by which stage like he's done that and we've got it what I think is the right consistency and it's very exciting mm. and then he has to go and just distance himself slightly while I do the cooking, mm. but he's there with all the toppings ready to go so the first one yep. I really um underestimated like how heavy a frying pan is. I mean no wonder that 70s housewives used them to whack their husbands <laughs> with when they came home late from the pub.
1: Quite the weapon. Yeah.
0: Um so I just you know it didn't even rise above the surface of the pan. So then I tried again and it just flipped over on itself and just it looked like a a mess like a literal like dog mm. mess or something mm. or maybe like um what you'd find in the gutter after New Year's Eve.
1: So you definitely, you were going for the full flip. You weren't using a spatula just Well, to I, I
0: loosened the edges with the spatula. Okay. I did actually make a video of, of... We got through four attempts to make a pancake. Three went straight in the bin. Oh, wow. So I'll play you... I mean, obviously, it's a video, so it won't be much good for people on the podcast, but I'll play
1: it to you now, Annabelle. And uh, Okay. We go. You've got the pan. Two hands. Oh, <laughs> it's all just going in your face. Oh, my goodness. I'll go. I'll go from the end of the- wow. Wow. So So I just scalded my hand. Yeah. It was all just going in your face and your clothes. It's just, it it wasn't Well, you can see I've still got some
0: stains on my clothes. So then some of the oil that I put in the bottom of the pan, which was only a little bit of oil, went on my hand, I had to run it under the cold tap. And then when you arrived, you said, what's that? You pointed up to the ceiling. (laughs) ceiling. And there was oil on the ceiling as well.
1: Your ceiling was covered in oil. I mean, it wasn't even that much oil. (laughs) It was covered in oil. It's like, why have you got oil all over your ceiling? So... I just disappointed him
0: terribly. Oh. I think today was the day he realised his dad wasn't a Superman after all. <laughs> I think he realised that a long time ago. To be perfectly honest, um, so th- that was my uh, that was my pancake day experience. my terrible pancake day experience. I also today I saw some friends from Sweden. Oh, lovely! For lunch. They were over for the school holidays with their kids, so Sarah and I went and met them at a restaurant. And um, I've been really excited about this. But when when you have visitors from overseas, mm. do you feel personally responsible for the weather?
1: Uh, yes, and you make excuses. And like, well, it was lovely. It was lovely last week. I'm so sorry. Yes, yeah, yeah.
0: and and. Yeah, when you're going on holiday, you're always checking the weather forecast of the place you're going to, thinking, "What will it be like?" When other people are coming here, I'm doing that far more obsessively.
1: Oh, you want it to be nice for them, yeah. and it's just
0: like this awful, awful rainy day, and there's a tube strike on. Oh. And you know what I'm usually like? I'm yeah, up the workers. I don't even bother to find out what the uh, list of grievances are and whether they're reasonable. I'm not. Yeah, yeah, screw the man. Yeah, <laughs> um, down with the bosses. But to dry, it's like f the workers.
1: Oh right! With the
0: weather like this, yeah, yeah. And I've got these visitors meeting me for lunch, or I just want the city to make. Just want the city to make a good impression. I want it to be <laughs> like, you know, when the Queen goes
1: somewhere, mm, everything smells of fresh paint. Yeah, yeah.
0: but it's uh, the whole city embarrassed me, let you with down. Its, uh, it, it really did with its with its weather, because you know I know what people are like. They're always making jokes behind the UK's back about how rainy and miserable it is all the time. Mm. And they have to go and confirm, confirm their biases mm. instead of confounding them. Yeah. You know, I've got I just did it then, you know, I've got this developed this facial tick. Well, it's not a facial tick, it's a a tick of touching my face. Mm, mm. And it's anxiety related and it sprung up at some point during lockdown, and I can tell that it gets worse the more anxious I am. Mm. And it's 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 not good. Like, so I was doing it at lunch, and I felt the need to explain to them. Oh, just so you know, I've developed this tick. And my friend Alex said, uh, "But why is it a problem?" Hmm. I said, "Well, because I'm just touching my face all the time, and it look, looks weird. And you know, I, I don't want to look weird." And he says, "Well, people will just think you're a tick guy." <laughs> and then. I've really been trying to work out what my problem is with being a tick guy. Because if I see a tick guy, I'm not judging them.
1: I love your friend Alex. He's amazing. He is amazing. Like everything he said then just made so much sense. He's right. First of all, why does it matter? Who cares? Secondly, you just be the tick guy. Yeah. And?
0: Yeah. So should I just accept that I'm now a tick
1: guy? (laughs) He said it's a yes.
0: Yeah. You're probably right. You're probably right. Um, the other thing I was I was going to mention is there is, there are a couple of Twitter accounts that I follow, and this is very out of character, and I've kind of ended up following them out of politeness or by accident, which are very very positive. So the people behind them are constantly tweeting out things about loving yourself and um, being kind, right, and. When I see a tweet which says something like, hey, be kind to yourself. You're amazing. Stop and take a look in the mirror. Just see how awesome you are. When I see tweets like that, I don't feel any positivity or any kind of affirmation. (laughs) I just think, no, I'm not. You don't know me. You (laughs) do not know me. I'm not those things. I'm not. And I'm wondering, is that because... You know, I'm a truth teller. Mm. I'm a bit cynical. I can see through the nonsense. I can smell the BS. Or is it just a manifestation of a very low self-esteem?
1: <laughs> what do you think? It's one or the other. But
0: which? I, don't Don't ask me. Because I know that we're amazing in the sense that we live on this planet that the chances of it, I mean, life existing on a planet are, are remote and then developing and having these emotions. And you know, we, within that context, I can think, okay, I'm, I'm amazing. <clears throat> I'm a, a statistical anomaly along with everything else on the planet. But either some human beings are amazing and some aren't, mm. or the word amazing means nothing.
1: Well, yes, the thing is, not everyone reading that is amazing, let's face it. No, and I
0: don't think I'm one of them. I don't think
1: I'm amazing, no. No, no so no. I think it's probably that. Yeah. My one of those is, you know, that thing where they say, like, if you're beating yourself up and berating yourself, they yeah. say, would you think about, would you say that to a friend? And I think, I wouldn't say it, but I would think it. <laughs> <laughs> So that doesn't help either, does it? No. I'm not awesome. No, I'm not awesome. No. Like most of us are. And if everybody
0: you know, if they're saying everybody's awesome, Mm. then I look at all the other schmucks and think, well, you know, just the same as them. That's not particularly (laughs) awesome, even if you're calling it that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And this pancake business really hasn't hasn't Mm. helped at all. No.
1: Right, time to hear from the drifters. First one is Neil. It must have been about nine years ago and we'd recently moved to a new town where we did not know anyone. Having lived in my hometown for over 30 years, it was quite a shock to my system. And this may not be shared by all drifters, but I was keen to get out and meet people and make some friends. Online, I found a likely contender, a social club for people of all ages and had a variety of events from walking to bowling, general drinking and meals out, which seemed ideal. The story, however, does not lie directly with this social club, which, like most groups of this nature, imploded and fragmented as people's egos took over and animosity reigned. I remained in one of the fragments of this group, with some of us who maybe shared more similar political views, beliefs and interests than with the others. One of the women in the group and her boyfriend invited me and my partner to celebrate her birthday at a local Indian restaurant. I convinced my partner we should go as we still didn't know many people and maybe we would widen our circle of friends. The curry was excellent. The company was acceptable and many drinks were had, especially by the birthday girl and her boyfriend. At one point, they were ordering two bottles of Cobra each at a time to save, keep on bothering the waiter. I found this odd as I was drinking draft Cobra in a pint, which was not only about two bottles worth in volume, but also cheaper. Inevitably, the evening came to a close and we were at the worst part of any meal out. In fact, maybe one of the worst parts of anything you may come across in life, paying the bill. The handwritten scroll of a bill was brought out and calculations were made. People were carefully working out what they'd eaten and drank and then adding a tip. Money was thrown into the centre of the table and a few people wanted to pay by card. All usual so far and all fine. Apart from the fact that the overall pot, cash in the centre and the car payments offered were nearly £50 short of the total bill, not taking any tips into account. An argument then ensued, but not between us on the table, but rather with the boyfriend of the birthday girl and the waiter. We did not have this many drinks, he protested. We had three bottles of Cobra each, that's six bottles, which is £22.50, and you've charged us for 24 bottles, £90. That is no way right. The waiter pointed out there were at least six empty bottles on the table and they cleared them a few times. He went off to check with a colleague and came back and insisted that is what they had drunk. The boyfriend of the birthday girl was insistent, drunkenly and doggedly insistent. They'd had six bottles, no more. It was very clear to us that the couple could easily have drunk 24 bottles between them over the course of the evening. The evidence was not only the bottles on the table, but also in the total drunkenness of both of them. They looked and acted like a couple who'd consumed 12 bottles of beer each. The atmosphere was very tense. A few people were offering to chuck another tenor in. Just to get out of that embarrassing situation it was worth far more than a tenor. But the boyfriend of the birthday girl continued his protest. I did not know where to look. The whole restaurant was watching. I tried to look at the waiter in a way that suggested, yes, I am on your side here. This man is a drunken ogre and I wish I didn't know him. But probably conveyed nothing of the sort. I don't remember exactly how the stalemate was broken, but it certainly involved everyone else on the table throwing in more cash and a hasty exit. When we got home, my partner said to me, we are never going out with those people again. And we haven't. As a postscript, the boyfriend of the birthday girl is now the husband of the birthday girl, and he has stood several times as a candidate for local elections for a political party that, although I share some of their views, I can now never vote for in this town.
0: Oh my god, that's the most excruciating situation. That's your
1: worst nightmare. Yeah, and trying to convey to the waiter with with no yeah. words, just your face alone, is like I'm so sorry about that. I
0: know, I know. I think I I might have even just like put the money in and say, "Oh, it was me. <laughs> it was me." <laughs> to just to make it stop.
1: Oh, well, that sounds like what everyone did. That's they all just horrendous. paid. They they paid money they didn't need to just to make it go away. <sighs> Awful. Okay,
0: I do. You know. And uh, I don't have the resource, but I do think most things just throw money at the problem to avoid the awkwardness. Definitely
1: in that situation. Definitely. Uh. Okay, this is from Anon. After hearing about your love of soft play, Annabelle, I thought I might write in. As a teenager, I had a job in a soft play centre located in the middle of an industrial estate. I have to agree with you, Annabelle, that getting to climb through the play centre was the highlight of the job. And I relish hearing the cry of Mammy by some young child in the middle of my shift so I could heroically climb over the soft obstacles (laughs) and slide the child back down to safety. The worst part, however, was locating the piss puddles to clean up by following the droplets and footprints like some kind of hunter. In fact, I remember at my own Star Christmas party, the boss would hide little gift cards and vouchers throughout the centre and we, slightly inebriated teenagers, were let loose to play on the equipment before it had its annual deep clean. (laughs) (laughs) Annual. (laughs) Oh, dear. As part of this job, I also had to host kids' parties while dressed as a princess or pirate. This consisted of bringing the party into a separate room and entertaining the children and filling them with chips and cake all while the parents watched on. A drifter's as hell. Needless to say, I tried to avoid my entertaining duties as much as possible by taking my time bringing the food in from the little kitchen into the party room. On one such horrendous occasion, the little birthday girl had blown out her candles on a beautiful cake. I took the cake into the kitchen to divvy up the slices onto paper plates for the kids. Taking my time, I found that there were a few spare slices of cake. So to delay my return, I decided to grab myself a slice. Leaning back against the back wall of the kitchen, I put a forkful into my mouth. Just then, the door swung open and in walks the mother of the birthday child. Or while I stood eating her cake and not entertaining her child. I promptly threw the slice of cake into the bin and declared, oh, um, that slice was uneven. (laughs) Bright red, I grabbed the tray of cake slices, walked straight past her and back to the party. I didn't receive my usual tip for that party and finally found a job (laughs) on the deli counter of a local shop.
0: Uh, Please send us your story. It is hello at adriftpodcast.com. Annabelle. Yes. Let's have another way in which you are not a fully functioning adult.
1: So I'm going to talk a bit about names this week and also about my granddad, my dad's dad. And he's popped into my mind a few times this week as he grew up in Stepney Green, East London. But his parents were from Ukraine, very close to Chernobyl. And they came to the UK in around 1899. And the family folklore has it that they were heading to America on a boat from Ukraine but it made a stop on the way, and my great-grandmother, mistaking Tilbury Docks in Essex for New York, got off. And that's, that's how they ended up in this country. So they get off, and they then go through immigration, and the official asked them their surname, which was something like Pokovsky, like, nobody can remember exactly what it was, but it was something like that. And the official went, huh? Port. And he wrote it down <laughs> on their papers, and that was now their name. And they all anglicised their first names, too. So my granddad should have been Zalik Podkowski, but he ended up being Sydney Port, which is the greatest name ever because it's S Port. So my grandma used to buy him loads of T-shirts with the word sport on them, as that was his name. And it's perfectly normal for an adult to wear their name on a T-shirt. My grandma's name was Muriel. And yet my granddad always called her Sarah. And I asked her one day why he did this. And she said, oh, he doesn't like the name Muriel. (laughs) Which I find extraordinary to hate a name that much. And to be clear, nobody else called her Sarah, only him. And to have the nerve to just change it yourself, I find amazing. (laughs) I did ask why he chose Sarah and just got the answer. Well, that's the name that he does like. He likes the name Sarah. (laughs) But that changing from Por- Porkovsky to Port means I should have been Annabelle Porkovsky, which I would have loved as a kid because it sounds a bit like Mr. Sharofsky from Fame <laughs> or who would have been Mr. Shaw if his parents had met the same immigration officer as my great-grandparents. <laughs> but it's also the reason my first name is not Victoria as my parents liked that name, but Victoria Port sounded too much like a place, which I think is a, is a very good point. And I'm actually Annabelle, as when my mum was pregnant, my granddad said he particularly liked the name Annabelle. So they went with it probably because he would have just called me that anyway if they'd gone with their (laughs) other option of Georgina but I really like my name now although as soon as I became properly aware of it which was about 10 I hated it as I thought it was too fancy and too posh and it's not an uncommon name now I think then there's a few around but I honestly didn't meet another Annabelle until my early 30s it was very very unusual in the area in Southam where I lived and it felt like the name of a girl who owned a pony and went to boarding school and went to finishing school and I felt like I knew a lot about this type of girl, because of the amount of Enid Blyton books I read. Right. So when I was 10, I decided I wanted to be Annie, spelt A N N I. No, mean. we. I mean, thank
0: ha- God there's two N's in there.
1: <laughs> but how do you change your name? Like, how do you announce it to everyone? So the way I decided to go was I went into my school classroom before lesson started and I wrote a Annie on the blackboard in big letters and then said loudly that that was my new name and I wanted everyone to call me that. And I very much emphasised the spelling. There's no E on the end. Did it work? No, it did not, because you cannot give yourself a nickname. I know what you're going to say now. Go and say it. Well, I'm just
0: going to make the point that you did call yourself Hamble after that doll on play school that you developed this strange fixation with you when you were a little girl, so you tried to get everyone to call you Hamble. No,
1: no, never in my life have I had the nickname Hamble. That is something entirely of your own invention that you've been saying for so long that you now you, you think it's real, don't you? No, you you getting this
0: mixed up with no. another story. <laughs> you tried to give yourself the nickname the flying no, flea, which no. never caught on. That is true, which is a complete fabrication. Okay, whereas you you you're being nicknamed after Hamble, the 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 weird. Doll on play school, I, not Jemima the cool doll. No,
1: the weird, creepy one. <laughs> I did. I have genuinely had two nicknames, both in primary school. Nothing since the age of eleven. The first, so Hamble. No, no, that was. Was not, it? Was, <laughs> it that, that, was
0: it that other people were calling you Hamble? Nobody
1: called me Hamble. Is it Hamble? painful to you
0: because it was the creepy? <laughs> it's
1: painful to if me if because you Jemima. made you made it up. You made it up to entertain yourself, and now you believe it. One of them was Manimal. Maybe that's what you could confuse with, Manimal. Do you remember the popular TV show about a man who could transform into various mammals and help the police solve crime? Were they
0: always mammals or were they just animals?
1: Well, oh yeah, I suppose.
0: Because it'd be called mammal. <laughs> mam- <laughs>
1: I seem to remember once going turning into a snake. A snake's not a mammal, is no, it? No, no. No, it's a reptile. Very much so, Yeah. yeah. It sounds like a made-up TV show, but like... Was it Patrick Duffy
0: or have I made that up? No, you
1: made that up. It wasn't. I don't think so. Oh, he was a no. man from
0: Atlantis, yeah. wasn't he?
1: So I was nicknamed Manimal because it sounds like Annabelle and not because I was hairy and animalistic. <laughs> I don't think so anyway. The other one, definitely true. The Flying Flea, because I was little but I could oh, jump high. It's painful. It's true. It's really painful. I wa- that was my nickname. And guess who else had the same exact same nickname at primary school? Tom. We were meant to be together. The two flying fleas. It was destiny. It's lovely.
0: A couple of fleas.
1: <laughs> and I'm being nice about him now because next week I'll tell you about what happened when we went on a date for the first time in four and a half years.
0: <laughs> hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If Only in Theatres May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news, Three things. Thing number one, last week I mentioned a sitcom I've been quite enjoying called Girls Five Ever. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think I got into this because trying to describe what you think is funny about a show is painful. It's mm. a painful thing to listen to. But I did show you a video. Mm-hmm. And I've never felt as simultaneously seen and mocked because there's a joke made about and a song about something they call a New York lonely boy, which is basically an only child growing up in an urban environment um, who, as a consequence, is um, is a bit more comfortable with the company of adults than children and um, it's perhaps a little bit pretentious. Yeah, me telling you about this and showing you the video? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I find it very funny and it stings a little bit as a uh, as the parent of a of a London New York lonely boy. A few days later I was I took Gene into a bookshop to pick out a birthday present for his friend. As we walked into the bookshop, they had a load of art books at the front and there was a book with a photograph of an artist on the front. And Jean looked at him and went, oh, Andy Warhol! Right, <laughs> yeah. I just thought, what am I raising? No! He's not even six yet.
1: And he knows Andy Warhol. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and likes him enough to exclaim his name. Andy Warhol. Uh,
0: like, if I'd have, se- if, 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 if prior to becoming a parent, I'd have seen that unfold, the uh, uh, amount of vitriol I would have felt. Towards that parent, not towards the child. Mm. I'd be thinking the social service just get away from them. <laughs> and yeah, I've reared one. Okay, thing number two. Um, I got a notification on my phone the other day and it was about an achievement. Now, I could sometimes feel like most most of the things that I achieve in my life are, are behind me the significant ones mm. that it's you know it's 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 all over and in some ways it's now just the um hopefully not not very steep decline until you know the eventual sweet sleep of death <laughs> i got a notification on my phone it's got stars it's got hearts on it, it says you're a regular jeff You've placed a total of 111 orders at Pinkberry. You're one of their most loyal customers. (laughs) What, the whole company? Yeah, which is, I mean, it's an international frozen yoghurt chain.
1: Wow, international. Well,
0: I I mean, I wonder if it's just that one branch, but even so. And a a friend of mine said, I bet bet the one of is eating away at you, isn't it? One of their most loyal customers. Oh, you want to be the... And I say, no, because it gives me something to shoot for.
1: Oh. It gives me a reason to
0: carry on.
1: Well, I'm wondering, why Why would the number 111 trigger the email? Like, you'd think it'd be 100, wouldn't it? You'd have thought so, yeah, yeah. So yeah. What, what number would... So I'm interested to know, like, what you'd need to go to to become number one. Like, who who's had more? Who are they? How can you overtake them?
0: Do they notify you, though?
1: Oh, you need to find that out first.
0: I wonder if there's some psychology at play, if they <laughs> think... If, if you realise that you were the number one customer of a frozen yoghurt shop, then you might start questioning their own life choices <laughs> and, and, and eat less frozen yoghurt. Yeah, yeah. But I'm trying to accentuate the positive. Mm,
1: of course, yeah, yeah. You're one of the most. Yeah. yeah. Great. Well, congratulations. Sorry, I should have said that before. Congratulations, you, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Number
0: three. Mm. Just see that shelf up there. Mm. It's got like a few awards and whatnot on it.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: You know, I, I think the uh, the most recent one is perhaps like dated twenty eighteen or something like that. Okay. Um, I'm going to print out this notification from the frozen. <laughs> World
1: Just the so frame. it doesn't look
0: like you know when you go to a restaurant and it's got <laughs> stickers in the window saying it was in the Egon <laughs> Ronnie Guide in nineteen ninety six. Yeah, and thinking, yeah. No. Oh, it's a bit sad. It's gone downhill. Yeah. Yeah. Not me. No. Still getting the. Uh,
1: the accolades, Still, the accolades
0: yeah, exactly. The uh, trophies and baubles. Okay, third thing. Mm. On a Saturday, I, I genuinely don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast or not, but maybe I haven't, maybe I've, I've, I can't remember. We got a tweet today from Jojo, who, this is remarkable, she's listened to all the podcasts that we've ever done since starting Adrift over the course of the last couple of months. And she said she could go on Mastermind and do it as a specialist subject.
1: So that's over 200, isn't yeah. it?
0: I could not do the last three weeks my specialist subject. I can't remember what I've said and what I haven't.
1: No, I know.
0: Anyway, so every Saturday I take Jean to a street dance class at Pineapple Dance Studios that there used to be a reali- reality TV show about. Mm-hmm. And that actually, did you have a very brief phase of going there for some classes? I used to do
1: ballet. Yes. For a few months or I so. I'd say,
0: so while, um, while we're waiting, there's a big ballet class in the room next door. And... I really like the sound of a rehearsal room piano being played.
1: Oh, yeah, it's very nice.
0: But it's very difficult to type that into Spotify. <laughs> I don't think... Um, like classics performed on, um, on a slightly oh. uh, slightly out-of-tune upright piano in a big hall is mm. the thing. Anyway, um, so I'm seeing the same people week in and week out, and I've largely been avoiding eye contact by looking at my phone. However... Three times now, I've had somewhat lengthy conversations with the same mum of a kid who's also in the class. At the end of the first conversation, she told me it was nice to meet me and told me her name. I told her mine. She has subsequently used my name at every interaction. I forgot hers the minute it was out of her lips.
1: Right, yeah. Now,
0: this is where it gets exciting. Because... From what she tells me, that I'm picking up bits of information about her life. I can glean that at some stage a few years ago, she was working in a particular industry that I have a few friends who also work in. Mm-hmm. So what I'm doing is compiling a list of facts about her.
1: because
0: mm. I'm not asking her too much about her old job or anything, Mm-mm. but I'm just gleaning stuff along the way. And then it's like this fun game of Guess Who? Oh. I'm texting friends. Oh. I've got a big ongoing list. And I just think there's going to be one detail that cracks the case. Oh, that's
1: so fun. Then
0: I'll be able to start using a name <laughs>
1: again. <laughs> that's weird. You didn't mention my name for six months. <laughs> now we started using it all the time. How weird.
0: Honestly, I, I, I sent out a, um, probably like a two paragraph, three paragraph long text four or five different people Mm-mm. last weekend. And I was really hoping one of them was gonna come good. But then I've started thinking, what if she's a fantasist and she never worked in that industry, which Ooh. is part of the entertainment industry right. at all. And she's just saying this stuff. Because usually they're a pilot when they say that, aren't they? It's usually somebody pretending to be a pilot. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I think. But it's feasible that it could be somebody pretending to have worked in the entertainment mm, industry. Maybe. So how long Should I let it go before I confront her? You never worked in that industry. I have made extensive inquiries. How weird would you look? So weird.
1: And what was your name again? (laughs) Time for Quandary Corner here in Problematic. First one is from Baroness Gemma. We have recently employed a cleaner. When she first started, I asked her if we were ever away for the week and didn't need her. Would we still have to pay her? She said yes and that she would come anyway, so not to worry about it. However, she has just told me she won't be here for the next three weeks. I don't know whether she is expecting me to pay her or not. I want her to like me and keep doing a good job. So should I pay her while she's away to prevent her from planting little bits of fish down the back of the sofa in spite (laughs) and anger at my tightness? Or is it perfectly acceptable not to pay her if she decides not to come for three weeks? Please answer soon. I'm losing sleep, tossing and turning over this. Also, bear in mind that obviously the main consideration is to solve this quandary and still very much be liked. Please like me. From Baroness Gemma.
0: Well, I refer to uh, my earlier conversation, which is, I mean, if if being liked is the issue here, throw money Mm. at the problem.
1: Yeah, a riot. Yeah. But should should she have to? Would it seem very extravagant to pay her?
0: Sarah has taken over the dealings with our cleaner, so I don't know how she approaches this. Mm. When I previously was in charge, I would always Mm. pay holiday pay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because that's how I thought of it. If you're an employer, mm. you'd have to pay holiday pay. Yep. And um That was my approach. There was so there was I'm trying to remember now, there was some incident during the pandemic where she hadn't been for a long time and we'd sort of carried on paying her because we were worried that she wouldn't, you know, be difficult for her to get through or or whatever. Mm, mm. But then I think she went on holiday in addition to like not being able to come because of the pandemic. I think that was coming to an end. Right, right. And she went away for a while. Oh, okay. And we still carried on paying her. Uh, hmm. But it was
1: Hmm. it's about it's Yeah. It's tricky. I don't know what to do in these situations. Three weeks does I'd like if it was just a week. I don't know. I can only think about what I'd do with a dog walker when we had one and the thing is if you're paying them in cash, which I think you often are with a cleaner, mm-hmm. they're not there to pick it up. So do, do you just leave a big pile on that when they've been away? I sort of think no, you don't have to. I don't know. I don't I think to. it's nice to.
0: I think if 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 the goal if you can afford it and you just want them to like you. Yes, then do it. But then the thing is in a regular job, you've got you've got boundaries, yeah. Mm. So you've got uh you get this many weeks off a year. Mm. And these bank holidays. Yeah. Whereas it seems like a bit open-ended. She could take a gap year.
1: (laughs) I think the question we should be asking. She could go traveling. I think what we should be asking is, would a cleaner stop liking you if you didn't pay her for her holidays time? That's the question we don't we don't know the answer to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know the answer to that. Maybe she's just say, look, are you gonna start hating me if I don't pay you? I don't know.
0: Because the, the need be, there needs to be some... Ba- do, do you trust her to not take more than, say, six weeks out of a year where she's not going to be there?
1: Uh, yes. If that's the case... Then that's fine. Write it off as throw a mon- Throw tax. money at the problem. Throw yes. money at the problem. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you think that suddenly she's going to be off, like, six months of the year, maybe that's the time to say no. Okay.
0: Yeah, but then you'd have to say no.
1: Mm, yeah, that's hard. How would you phrase that? Well, I just wouldn't leave the money. I'd be out and just leave what was appropriate. It's very hard.
0: Maybe you could ask if she'll do some pro bono work. Pay her, but then ask her to <laughs> do some pro bono, <laughs> pro bono work. I don't think, goes, don't think
1: anyone's ever asked a cleaner to do pro bono work. <laughs> um, we just hadn't
0: said it for a while on the podcast. No. I really like the expression. Yes, I know, I know. Yeah, I, I mean, a, a, just as a rule of thumb, a good way of People to like you is giving them money.
1: <laughs> well, there, yeah. I think I think if that's if that's your main consideration, and it's three weeks, and you can afford it, mm. yeah, then do it.
0: What you, what I want what what I would want to be is lavished with appreciation in that situation.
1: Okay,
0: I, I want to be the favorite,
1: the favorite client. Exactly. Yeah,
0: mm. I told you we used to have this cleaner who my best friend and his wife also started using, mm. and she very quickly came to prefer them. <laughs> But I think they did give her some, you know, extra money.
1: But there you go. They, we've answered just the question. to help her out. Yeah. That's why they mm. were the favourite. Mm. If you want to be liked, pay.
0: It's it's why these oligarchs are so well liked. Yeah. Another thing you could do is pay the money for having them a week she's off for. Mm. But then, like, really make sure your house is a tip. Oh. <laughs> the next few times.
1: To make up for it, so that you're not building up any resentment. Like, don't bother doing any kind of washing for ages. Yeah, yeah. strew
0: some things around. I'm not sure that's going to let gonna... some mold grow.
1: That's not going to work very well with the likeness thing. No, proper. No, not. but it's a, it's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. Right. So I think I think we've solved that. Mm. I think we have. In, that. in this particular circumstance, I just hope that it doesn't go out of control and she only comes one one yeah. week of the year, and you're paying for the yeah. rest of it okay this is from hannah i'm hoping you'd help me with the question of how to receive an open door from someone in front of you ordinarily i think i would do this in a normal way but yesterday i was forced to question my behavior i parked at the station car park and exited my vehicle heading towards the stairway to take me out onto the street a man had parked just a few spaces away from me and was ahead of me getting to the door as i reached the door he had held it open for me I'm okay with this. So I did what I assume is expected of a recipient of a hell door. I took the weight of the door from him and thanked him. But he didn't let go of the door or move away from the door. It seemed his intention was to continue to hold it open for me as I walked all the way through. Hang on, was he wearing a long coat and a top hat? Is it possible that he was a (laughs) doorman? And therefore ahead of him down the stairwell. This confused me. So beneath my mask, I ended up mumbling, you're all right, I've got it. By this point, I had indeed walked past him, so I continued my journey down the stairs and towards the train station. He seemed to remain at a fair distance from behind me, but as I'm sure you can already predict, he did indeed stand directly next to me at the platform and boarded the train at the same time. This time, I let him go first. She's suggesting that he was a creep?
0: I think she is. Oh, right. I'm. I, you see, I, I was thinking maybe there will be a lovely door dance unfold here where he opens the first door... And then uh, she's waiting at the next one and and so on. But, (laughs) yeah, I don't
1: know. So they've opened the door. Yeah. And they're holding it and you have to walk through. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's all about where and them. Like, the fact that it seems like you're in some kind of underground deserted car park suggests that i probably would prefer them to go first did did he make any kind of grunting noises? as she doesn't he doesn't she doesn't say that no he I mean that could be that anything, could be a very yeah. important detail yes um, I, I think she would have mentioned it if he did so i think she'd be less did right writing his, did
0: to his, <laughs> his lips look wet
1: i think i think all of these things okay. it'd be less like she's writing to us and more likely phoning the police so yeah yeah I don't think there's something... I mean, people have done that for... It can be a bit of a, like, after you, Matt, it can be a bit sort of um, chivalrous thing, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes. Like, I think for a certain type of gentleman, they can feel that they're doing something very nice by letting you go first. It's a bit kind of like throwing their cloak down over a puddle, but I can see why it would uh, be a bit uncomfortable. I guess you just have to uh, do what you did, say, sorry, right, I've got it, or just walk with a haughty air, like... Queen Victoria herself might have done. I think walking with a haughty air. Okay, let's go with a haughty air. Right.
0: And that was our podcast. Thank you for your ears this week uh, and every week, unless it was just this week and you've decided not for me, in which case, fine, let's uh, let's put the matter behind us and move on. Please send us your story of social uh, social awkwardness. The email address is hello at adriftpodcast.com, same email address, if you have a quandary, if you need to know the rules uh, for any social situation in Quandary Corner here at the Glatt Clinic in Problematic. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music, and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music. Carla Gowlett took our photos. Kim Rainey designed our artwork. And I'll uh, I'll finish this week with uh, with uh, oh, no, sorry that that piece was uneven. Podication time, and this comes from Paul Paul Cosomo, who says, "Hello, Jeff and Annabelle. Hello, hello. My friend Tiff and I are separated by an ocean. I think I, uh, I th- think I possibly know who Tiff is, mm. and we've never met in person, but she is as close to me as anyone I've ever met in real life. We met because we both listened to a podcast that no longer exists." And she was the admin in that Facebook group. She started listening to my own podcast and I began interacting with her as a listener and our friendship grew. She introduced me to the Adrift podcast. She figured out how socially awkward I am and she thought I'd be your target demographic. She was right. And as we continue to bond over Adrift every single week, our friendship really blossomed. This this has got to be our Tiff, hasn't it?
1: Yeah.
0: Tiff who, uh, I mean... A, a, a legend a, uh, amongst drifters Been with us for a while Been yeah. with a long time and uh, Who runs the, I think still runs it I don't know because I uh, I, uh, I keep my nose out mm. Of the uh, official drifters Facebook page It's always been a lively community Tiff who I enjoy interacting with on Twitter regularly Tiff who is um, very much involved with Mal mm-hmm. Who I also enjoy enormously Maisie Mal. Um, let's see. Tiff is there for me. She shares pictures of her cat Clara with me. She shows me the project she works on. We both laugh about her husband Mal's antics. Mm-hmm. There he is. Mm-hmm. Um, she's always there to listen as I fret and worry over things. I can count on her for wonderful, honest advice. She rejoices with my victories and comforts me when I'm low, and I hope I do the same for her. I'm at a new job, and right now we still say hello every morning. I blush when she calls me gorgeous, but we don't talk quite as often as we used to. I just want to let her know how much I cherish her friendship. I love you so much, Tiff. This is great. I, You know, Tiff is one of these people who I think puts out a lot into the world and connects people, and um, I think... You know, we were talking about annoying positivity earlier. Mm. I think, like, Tiff is somebody who puts genuine positivity positivity of a non-annoying type into the world. That's lovely. Yeah, very Seeing nice. a bit of that come back towards Tiff in her direction. Paul says, shameless plug, I'm the host of the Varmints podcast. It's about animals. I'm very intrigued by that title. What mm. am I missing there? And then I'm just uh, looking it up. Varmints. V-A-R, mm-hmm. mints, mm. like Polo, Murray or Treble mints.
1: Mm.
0: The Varmints podcast. I like the artwork a lot. That's good.
1: Oh, yeah, nice.
0: Um, it's an education comedy podcast that's all about animals. Oh. Every week, a couple of nerds, love a couple of nerds, do a whole bunch of research to bring you a mix of science, education, pop culture and comedy about all the things that creep Crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. This sounds good. It does sound good. I I could be into this. See some of the episodes hang on a second. 186 episodes, plenty to be going at. Fireflies. They live uh, in the same box in my mind as electric eels (laughs) and glowworms. (laughs) (laughs) Pigeons too. Electric boogaloo. Pigeons. I like a pigeon. I think they get a rough, rough. Day. I know you because to the feet mm. and any number of other things. But the
1: things I've seen them do honestly. I know, but like, think of things, some of the things you've done. Yeah, true.
0: Like pigeons have. I mean, there was that one incident that you once talked about that like, like, <laughs> Maybe a pigeon was watching and <laughs>
1: oh, they talking about saying, oh, the things I've seen that girl do. Yeah, yeah, yeah true. And you don't true. even have
0: like a nice shimmery, like metallic green or purple bit on you.
1: I do down, You're quite right.
0: What else? <laughs> Spider a day. Oh, there's a real, uh, they seem to have hit a real spider flow uh, at the back end of last year. Robins. I like a robin. Cuttlefish, crickets. Eye eyes. I like an eye eye. I think I could be into this. I wonder if it's child friendly. Gene might be into this. Anyway, he um, says you don't have to mention it on air, but I hope your Annabelle will give it a listen sometime. I think I definitely will.
1: Yeah, sounds good.
0: Okay. So, um, there we go. It's the latest edition of the podcast. Podicated to the wonderful Tiff from the seemingly wonderful Paul. Yeah. I don't know. Everyone's got a side. No. I don't think Tiff has a side. No. Um, If you'd like a podication, please email us. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Imagine.